Has baseball lost its way on the most basic instruction and the simplest of plays? Are fundamentals even a factor anymore? I'm talking Little League to the Major Leagues. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! As would be expected, and as is very appropriate, yesterday many people were thinking about celebrating and commenting on fathers. So as you went to social media or other places, you saw a lot of things being posted, a lot of quotes being made and the like about fathers and Father's Day. A couple that I came across that I thoroughly uh, appreciated were these. First of all, strong men and fathers make for a strong society. That is undoubtedly true. And so when we see a society and the different aspects of society that are not strong, it is fundamentally because we're lacking strong men and fathers. A second quote I came across was somebody who posted a quote, obviously very old, from Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon said this, A father's holy life is a rich legacy for his sons. That is absolutely true. A father's holy life, being lived for the glory of King Jesus, leaves for his sons, leaves for his family, a rich legacy. But a father's holy life in the home doesn't just impact the home. It is no doubt needed there, and that is where it begins, but men living a holy life for the glory of King Jesus leave a rich legacy for their family, but also for the church and also for society. But going back to the first quote, strong men and fathers make for a strong society, we have to acknowledge this that there are fathers who are not living holy lives. In other words, they're not faithfully following King Jesus. But they are yet strong men and strong fathers. They're instilling biblical principles by the way they live and what they teach. They don't necessarily acknowledge that's where they get it from, and they're not doing it for the glory of God through faith in King Jesus, but even those kind of men are important. They make for a strong society. And such men make for a stronger game of baseball as well. And we can talk about that as it regards the earliest ages and the lowest levels of baseball, say t-ball or coach pitch, all the way through the major leagues. We need strong men and fathers. We especially need fathers who live holy lives for the glory of King Jesus. You remember last week when I was talking about Roger Craig who recently passed away, Will Clark mentioning that Roger Craig was his second father. And there are people like Will Clark who have fathers that were good to them, that raised them the right way, and yet appreciate men who are not their earthly fathers, but act like a father figure. I saw some other people, including former Major League baseball players or professional baseball players, saying they did not have a father in the home. And so other men, in particular men in the game of baseball, were like the father they never had. 
we're living in a day in which strong men, generally, and especially men living holy lives for the glory of King Jesus, are missing. Missing in the home. We don't honor our fathers in the home. We don't honor our fathers in the faith, the founding fathers of our nations who have been faithful to do what is right. And even the, if you will, fathers in the game of baseball, they're not being honored or respected. In some cases, I don't even think they're being given the time of day. Whether we're talking about homes, churches, societies, the game of baseball, we are the worst for not honoring those fathers who have demonstrated and taught what it means to be strong men, to be faithful men. It's, it's costing us. We've lost our way. It, it appears really, again, in all of these spheres, the most basic instruction and the most fundamental aspects of living are vanishing. And I think that is very true in the game as well. And we need to get back to honoring those who have gone before us when they're the kind of men who have demonstrated for us and have sought to teach us the right way to do things. We could start by heeding the words of an all-time great in Major League Baseball, Tony Gwynn. That's what they pay us for. When you sign your name, I'm a big believer, and when you sign your name on a dotted line, it's, it's more than just playing a game of baseball. I think if you look out here today, you see all these people out here today, um, they love the game too. And there's a responsibility when you put that uniform on that those people, those people who pay to go watch you play, you're responsible. You've got you to make good decisions and show people how things are supposed to be done. Tony Gwynn, one of the greatest players in the history of the game a great individual, a man who did things the right way. He's no longer with us, but he said those words at his Hall of Fame speech. And you could hear the applause. He said something that resonated with people. He said, show people how things are supposed to be done. Now, he was talking in the context of being a major league player. And of course, when you say a comment like, show people how things are supposed to be done, that presupposes there is a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. Also, he talked about responsibility. That's something we don't talk about as much as we ought to anymore. And a responsibility for something outside of yourself, something bigger than yourself. We need to show people how things are supposed to be done. And people need to listen to those like Tony Gwynn who know who've demonstrated how things are supposed to be done. We need to be willing to listen and to learn. And again, this starts in the home, it goes to the church, it goes to the culture, it goes to the game of baseball. We need to ask questions. We need to ask these questions with a true desire to listen and to learn from those people who, as the saying goes, have been there and done that. We are having leadership problems right now, the Red Sox. I'm a guy that I work for the Red Sox. I'm a guy that I come around. I'm a guy that I'm very approachable. You know that, Jared. But this is the time guys don't sit down and want to have a conversation. Travis Story was the only player who had put me to the side and be like, Papi, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, this and that. I mean, Whoever know me, I'm a very accessible guy. And if you're going to tell me that you haven't had a conversation with me because you don't know how I'm going to react, 
everybody knows I'm gonna react. Whoever, whoever approached me trying to learn, trying to figure out, trying to pick up on my brain, the way I used to go, but again, you know I'm gonna take my time to help you and give you whatever information you need because that's how I am. Plus the rest sucks in my blood. So that was Big Poppy uh, in an interview that he did just this past week. And he was bemoaning the problem with the Red Sox. And he said, we have leadership problems. Now, I would like to ask, in what way does he mean that? All the way at the top, leadership among the people in uniform? I'm not sure. But listen to what he said. So here's a guy who is willing to give. Here's a guy who is willing to talk to people, to try to help them be better. A guy like Tony Gwynn, who is in the Hall of Fame. Only, unlike Tony Gwynn, he's still on this earth and he's involved with the Boston Red Sox. And yet he said only one guy so far has spoken to him, and that's Trevor Story. He's willing to give. He's willing to advise. He's willing to say, listen, I did it this way, or these things helped me, or I think these things could help you. But the question is, why aren't more players wanting to receive from him the advice he can give, the knowledge that he has? how he did it for so long and for so well that he's in the Hall of Fame. Is it because the players think they have all the answers? Is it because they don't think that Big Poppy has any answers? Is it that they don't care? I don't know. I don't get it. But it's one of those things, again, and it's interesting that his nickname is Big Poppy, that we are not honoring our fathers. In this case, again, in the game of baseball. He has a lot to offer about playing the game, about being an excellent hitter, and about being one of the best clutch hitters in our generation. And that's something as well, not just the art of of hitting, if you will, but his clutch hitting ability. Now, I I recognize this, that there are people, a, a good number of people today that are involved in the game of baseball at one level or another that say there is no such thing as a clutch hitter or a big game performer. I get that. They say that, and so I suppose we should have a conversation about that. And so I will. They're wrong. So moving on. What we're witnessing here is, again, what is going on in the game of baseball. And as I've mentioned several times, baseball is simply a microcosm of our society. So it's what's going on in our society. Speaking about a microcosm... This play that took place on Friday night, I think, is a microcosm of where we are in the game right now. Two and two pitch. Swing, and he lunges at a slider and pops it up toward the pitcher's mound. Here comes from third. Schmidt, he drops the ball. And now a wild throw to first. What is happening? It goes down the right field line. Now the Dodgers will have two runners at third. Running the ball back in is Yastrzemski. And now he throws to Crawford. And they've got a runner heading home, and they've got the run down going at home. The throw goes to Bailey. He throws the ball to Junis, who then tags him out and wheels around and throws to third. Man, that was just disgraceful. Unbelievable. A pop-up. And Schmidt, it was like the pitcher, the veteran, and the rookies. And it ended up being a, a Greek tragedy. So that was John Miller's call on a play that took place Friday night in L.A., Dodgers versus Giants. And you have to watch the play. It was a mess in every conceivable way. 
Virtually everything that should have been done wasn't done. Virtually every mistake that could have been made was made. And John Miller has been following or covering, I should say, not following, covering, broadcasting Major League Baseball for decades. I don't know how many thousands of games he has watched over several decades, but he's seen a boatload. And I love his call. What is happening? And he says, that was just disgraceful, unbelievable. And then the final words in the clip, it ended up being a Greek tragedy. I really do think that play is a microcosm of where we are in the game. No, that doesn't happen every day, but I think it's an indication of where we are and the direction we're headed. And also, interestingly, that was Friday night in L.A., Dodgers versus Giants, and that day was a microcosm of where we are as a culture as well because that night was Pride Night at Dodger Stadium. And in the pregame ceremonies before that game, and that play which took place later in that game in extra innings, the so-called Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were so-called honored with a so-called Heroes of Community Award. The good thing in that is that this was pregame. There were very, very few people in the stands at Dodger Stadium when that event took place. There were far more people outside protesting. Now, I know, and I don't know if it's still this way, it was when I played, that Dodger fans are known as those who come late, usually showing up in the second or third inning. But the point remains the same. Nobody made an effort, and by nobody, I mean very, very few people, to get there. That's some encouraging things uh, to notice about what took place that night. Now, speaking about where we are, in particular in the game of baseball, I have brought up a man in in articles that he has written on at least two or three occasions. Kevin Kernan is his name. Like John Miller, he has been following and covering baseball for decades. I think he's been writing for 45-plus years. And he writes good articles. And I've referenced them in the past. I'm going to reference another one. This one he wrote, he, he dropped, if you will, or sent out on Saturday. And it was titled, Can of Worms. And Kevin Kernan, in my opinion, is not a grumpy old man saying, get off my lawn. He is a man who has watched and covered Major League Baseball for decades, almost a half a century. And he is comparing where we have been or where we were in the game to where we are now and where we're headed. And in his most recent article, Can of Worms, he starts by talking about the fact that he was trying to open up a can of tuna fish. And he had a very good uh, electric can opener, but it wasn't working. He he couldn't get the, the can open. So he reached in his drawer and he just picked out one of those old manual can openers. I think it was from 1965. And it worked. And he was able to have his tuna sandwich. And then he said, that got me thinking about baseball. And he says, if this product, baseball, still worked from the 1960s, let's say, why did baseball, and as he puts it, all the nerds throw away the fundamentals from that era? And that's an important question. Again, it goes back to an honor and a respect of our fathers, in this case, in the game. What legacy did they leave us? The fundamentals that were there in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, and of course before that and since then, they are now not to be found, at least not as commonly. They're not worked on as much. And he says at the beginning of his article, 
after he talks about that, after that line, why did baseball and all the nerds throw away the fundamentals from that era, he said, that is the can of worms I am opening today at the story. And then he he talks about that play that John Miller just described for us and saying the base runners weren't doing what they should have done, the, the fielders weren't doing what they should have done, the pitcher didn't do what he should have done. He said it was a circus Little League play where baseball is thrown all over the field. And he says baseball is not in a good way right now. We see circus plays like this far too often. And then he says this, and I don't have the ability at least right now, or at least in the limited time that I had after I read this article to look it up. But he says this, and he writes this, and so I'm assuming it's true. He's a, he's a good journalist. He wrote this. As for the Giants, they have time to walk around barefoot through the grass in Gabe Kapler's world and play with therapy dogs before games, but do they ever work on pop-ups? <laughs> Is that true? Well, I, I, do they ever work on pop-ups? That's a good question, but the whole idea of walking barefoot through the grass and play with therapy dogs before games. But then he goes on to say, working on fundamentals. That used to be something that baseball did all of the time. And it was something they did for a long time. He thinks that's lost. From watching the game, I would agree that at least it is, if it's not completely lost, it's not emphasized like it should be. And then he quotes a a person, an evaluator, probably a scout that's been around for a long time, who said, you can be technologically savvy, but also be traditionally, fundamentally sound. Do the little things right that people did right for years. And then Kernan comments on that quote, imagine that, the best of both worlds. Exactly. There are new things. There are technologically advanced things, and you can have savvy in that area, that will benefit the game of baseball, that will benefit those who play it, those who coach it, those who manage it. But why are we not doing those things that are fundamentally sound? Why are we not teaching and emphasizing those things that are fundamentally sound? Again, there is a right way to prepare to play the game. There is a right way to play the game. And it appears that those fundamental ways are not being stressed, maybe even being forgotten. Kernan goes on to write, On this Father's Day, always a great baseball day, be a good father to your baseball and softball playing children and teach them the fundamentals of the game, not the launch angle of the game. And I've been watching baseball from 9- and 10-year-olds to the major leagues, and I'm seeing throughout it, from the lowest levels to the highest levels, a lack of fundamentals, a lack of being able to do the fundamentals, which almost certainly indicates a lack of working on the fundamentals. He goes on, teach them to play with abandon. Teach them to run the bases with aggression. Teach your children well. Now there's a very biblical statement right there, right? Teach your children well. And he talks about teaching them to slide correctly. But then he goes on and he says, Make this Father's Day a new day to start really teaching fundamentals. And then he says this, not only baseball fundamentals, but life fundamentals. We might be a better world and country if you do your job. No doubt we would be. And again, we can talk about those 
who are not intentionally doing it for the glory of King Jesus in obedience to God, but yet are following biblical principles, but especially those who are living holy lives. Teach the fundamentals to your children. We will have a better world and a better country if we are doing that. And then finally, he goes on to talk in the article about the fact that that old can opener that he pulled out of the drawer from 1965 was made strong and made to last. And he thinks that teaching fundamentals to all your players at every level is important and that your team will remain strong and will be made to last if they are taught fundamentals. I agree completely. Fundamentals of the game, fundamentals of the faith, fundamentals of life, fundamentals of respect and honor and submission and joy and pursuing excellence, all of those things. We need that. We need that in homes. We need that in churches. We need that in the game of baseball. And he did bring up in the article a particular team that has always been known to be very good at teaching and practicing the fundamentals. And it happens to be the team that right now has the best record in Major League Baseball. They've won 68% of their games. The Tampa Bay Rays, who are currently 51-24. and He uses that team and that organization, because they teach it from the, the lower minor leagues all the way up, as an example of combining the new, the technological savvy, and the old, the fundamentals. Now, I also came across something that was very encouraging to me. There is a program known as Breakthrough. I think it's actually called The Program. And Breakthrough is what is written on the back of the jersey for every player and coach that's involved in it. And what I read about just the last day or so was a group of 16-year-olds, the best 16-year-olds in the country, in Vero Beach, playing in this program, The Program, Doing so, getting coaching from former Major League Baseball players. A couple of them who are from my generation, I played against both of them. One a pitcher, Marvin Freeman. One a hitter, Marquise Grissom. And then also another former Major Leaguer who began his big league career, I think the year after mine ended, Lou Collier. This is what Lou Collier had to say about what's going on or what was going on down in Vero Beach. The 2026 class is special. It has me excited. We know we got some young guys coming along that fits the bill. Uh, that's kind of lining up with what we're trying to, you know, type of kids that we want to bring into the program and the type of kids that we want to give the knowledge to so they can go on and keep this thing moving. Deion Cole, Ricky Shepard, Miles Young, three really good ones. Love to play the game, really, really coachable, and the upside is through the roof. So there's a lot in that, that little audio clip to like, but right at the end, they love to play the game, they're very coachable, and their upside is through the roof. Well, the final one, their upside is through the roof, is only going to be true about a very limited number of players. That's just a fact of life. But the first two can be and should be true about anybody that's playing the game of baseball. They love to play the game, and they're very coachable. They want to learn from a guy like Big Poppy. They want to learn from some of these former major leaguers who are part of this program. That can be true of everybody. And if you're coaching the game, you ought to love to coach the game. You ought to love to coach players. You ought to want to instill into them the fundamentals to help them be as good as they can be and therefore the team to be as good as it can be. 
Now, one of the players mentioned in that clip was Rookie Shepard. And I loved what he had to say when he was interviewed as well. It's an honor. It's a blessing for all the coaches to be here. The experience I'm learning every single day, getting better every single day. To be out here with the best talent in the country, with all my guys, with all my brothers, this family, it's amazing. We're having fun. We're getting better with each other every single day. So just to see, you know, the progress of everyone, it's a blessing for sure. You know, this isn't something you're going to get every day. So, you know, I got to take advantage of it. I've been having a lot of fun. I'm just looking to be a complete ball player. I feel like my bats are pretty good. So I just want to, the little things, base running, first and third, little stuff that I can take my game up even more to where I can get drafted or wherever this baseball journey takes me. See, So rookie Shepard is one of those guys whose upside is through the roof. Again, that's only true about a very few number of people. But listen to what he had to say. Calling the opportunity he had to participate in this program, the program, honor and blessing. To be able to have the coaches instilling into him the things that they know from their time playing. He talked about having fun, getting better together each day. It's not just about self. He wants to be a complete ball player. So here's a man whose upside is through the roof, but he wants to learn to do the little things better. That's what we're talking about. That's the attitude that all players at all levels ought to have. That's the kind of attitude that all coaches at all levels ought to try to be instilling into their players. Now, you heard the audio of that interview, but there was video playing behind Rookie Shepard. Sometimes it was showing him, but then sometimes showing what was going on. And one of the things it showed was fungo drills to an infielder where he was just receiving fungos, taking the fungo, making a throw. Another thing was that in that video, they showed a sacrifice bunt being laid down, and on that bunt, a good play where the catcher hopped out from behind the plate, made a good throw to first to record the out. Those are fundamental aspects of the game. Those are important fundamental aspects of the game. And another fundamental aspect of the game is to enjoy it. And as I mentioned, One of the people coaching at this event was a former Major League pitcher from my generation, Marvin Freeman. That's what I'm talking about. That's what's up. That's what's up. Hell yeah. That's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah. See, there's a man encouraging joyful excellence. And Marvin Freeman posted that video on Twitter, and he had the heading, I love the game. And you heard what he said there at the end. That's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah. That's great stuff. And from what I can tell in my following what's going on with the program and breakthrough, I'm very glad that that's what they do. And I encourage far more to go and do likewise. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for listening.